0: Let's dive in and look at how you can show up bigger, better and more uniquely aligned in life and business today. Hi there, welcome to the first edition of Unblock Your Business for 2022. Excited to have you with me today. Uh, I hope you've had a great new year and I hope that you don't have too sore ahead and have had plenty of time to, to sleep things off if you did. So today's episode, I am speaking with the wonderful Roshana Huseinova, um, who is a sales researcher and lecturer turned business and money coach. Roshana has done some award-winning research on salesperson motivation. So this is really her, her area of expertise. So we're going to dive really deep today into uh, effective sales strategies to help you sell with confidence and feel motivated and uh, comfortable selling so that you can sell with integrity and actually enjoy selling as part of your business. So without further ado, let's dive in and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think you're going to pick up lots of wonderful nuggets and techniques to help you manage those sales conversations even better. Wonderful, so welcome back to the podcast and today I am delighted I've got uh, Roshana Housaynava joining us. Um, Hi Roshana, it's great to have you here. Could you just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do and how you've come to do what you do in the world of entrepreneurship?
1: Hi Abby. thank you so much for having me. Um, It's uh, lovely. So I was always entrepreneurial and uh, it's it's just something that interested me and um, my grandmother actually was also entrepreneurial but back in the day uh, so i'm coming from russia mm-hmm. back in the day in the ussr times there was no such thing you couldn't just start a business no um yes yeah, so but i think i picked up a lot of that um, entrepreneurial vibe from her and uh, last year i did my coaching qualification at Uh, my workplace so I'm lecturing in marketing at Aston University in Birmingham Mm -hmm. and as part of the culture they're they're really encouraging and promoting coaching Mm -hmm. which is fantastic so I did my qualification and I've uh, received a lot of positive feedback and then I thought that's it that's my calling Uh, coaching people and uh, it was it was fantastic at the same time though I started working on my money mindset and that's the whole Journey itself, isn't it? So these two things combined together, and I thought, well, that's it. That's probably what uh, I should concentrate on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I started my business last year, and it's been very developmental. Yeah. Yes, both for me as an individual, and also for me as a lecturer, mm-hmm. because I've realized um, all the examples and theories that all of a sudden came to life with a different new vision for me. Mm-hmm. So that, in a way, made me also a better lecturer and better teacher. Fantastic.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that experience really fed into everything that you'd been doing on paper, as it were. Wonderful.
1: Absolutely. And it's uh, really interesting um, to see that all the research that I'm familiar with, and I published a couple of papers myself, Mm. bringing this into the world of business and entrepreneurship. So instead of saying, for example, well, you should be doing this. Well, where does that come from? Well, I can say, actually, research suggests that this evidence-based approach suggests, and that does give and add a bit of substance to to the advice Definitely. and to the conversation.
0: Definitely, because there's there's so much. Um speculation and conjecture and and so many people just giving you so many different opinions out there in the online entrepreneurial space so it's it's really quite nice to have somebody who's got some facts and figures at their fingertips to say we know this works and we've we've sampled it we've studied it we've (laughs) we've tried and tested it and we know there's good evidence that this works so um, we're delighted to have you here today to talk about that it's really exciting so you are literally an expert in sales and marketing and not just a marketer who's learned a few things along the way but actually somebody with a real real qualification real scientific grounding in this Um, tell us a little bit more about the sort of work you do and how that's influenced what you do in your business now
1: Mm -hmm. yes so my uh research as a phd research that i did uh, at university is on salesperson motivation Mm -hmm. and for years so PhD journeys are three years long usually. I had my twins uh, after second year, so it took me five years to complete. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was it, it likes
0: to take everything on. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: um, and for years I've been saying, oh yeah, I'm I'm not in sales. Sales just context. So I'm a motivation researcher. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of pushing the sales bit away mm-hmm. for many years. And until uh, at some point when I started working on the money mindset, um, on my own money mindset, really, and all these issues around that, I've had a session with an um, art therapist. Mm-hmm. And I've discovered that actually it's it's probably my calling. So I should stop pushing the sales part away yeah. because instead of trying to say, oh, yeah, I'm not doing sales, I'm only doing this motivation, more uh, dignified research, you know, more respectable mm-hmm. research. Um, I should stop pushing that. And I realized that there is even a connection to my grandmother, who was That's very right. entrepreneurial, but who, who couldn't really, you know, start up a thing of her own. Yeah, yeah. And I really felt that support. I mean, my, my grandmother passed away many years ago now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've realized that. So I stopped pushing sales part away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And instead, I decided that I will try to do it the right way. I will teach my students to do it the right way with integrity, with ethics being, you know, ingrained in all aspects of sales. Mm -hmm. And uh, I will, you know, try to normalize talking about sales and it's that it's absolutely fine.
0: Yeah. Wonderful All for that. Oh, for that.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, there's so many times I've heard uh, entrepreneurs say something like, well, I love everything about my business apart from sales. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if you're in
0: business, you're in business of sales. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think was it that shifted that mindset for you? Because obviously there was a, a little bit of um not not wanting to go there with sales yourself for quite a while and then and then embracing that. Um, how do you think that shifted for you?
1: Um, you know, Abby, there wasn't just one moment where it all came together. It was just a, a journey. So there's this discovery that I made <clears throat> with um uh, during the art fair session. Um, then there's also discussions with my mentor at work mm-hmm. about, you know, the, the right way of contribution to society through teaching students the right way of sales, the yeah. ethical way with integrity. Yeah. Um, it was that. And my, well, my work on my own money mindset, because yeah. obviously sales directly linked with um, pitching job services, asking for... money receiving the money and being happy about
0: that and comfortable with that so it was a journey of all things coming together yeah sales is just such a a word with huge connotations isn't it we um, imagine it to be this kind of dirty icky cringy thing that we don't want to to approach but actually it doesn't have to be that way at all and uh, both of us doing work around this with money mindset stuff once you start to look at it in a different way, everything changes. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's arriving at that point that can be really tricky sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for anybody um, who might want to think about sort of approaching that and, and reframing their own mindset? Absolutely. So I agree with you. Sales is seen as necessary
1: evil, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, well, I would say something that helped me um, is something I've heard from Nick Pigeon, who is a positive psychology coach. Yeah, yeah, And then she said, "Well, if you truly believe in the value you add to your clients, you really, you know, believe that you're doing a great job in helping them, um, and you see client, client results, then you absolutely must believe that it's your duty to sell." Mm, yes. So, just shifting that mindset from thinking, "Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pitching myself. I'm trying to push." Um, clients to sign up. Yeah. Instead of thinking that, think about it as it's your absolute duty to help your clients. And you do that by selling your offer. And it, it really came to life um, for me just recently. So we moved to Portishead Head in Bristol, mm-hmm. a new city, and um, I was searching for a new fitness studio or yoga studio. And I found this wonderful place. Um, I bought their uh, like a trial package for 10 sessions. Mm-hmm. And after that ended, there was no follow-up. Oh, there was yeah. no email to say, well, now you've tried it. See how yeah. amazing we are. Sign up for this membership or just, you know, pay as you go. Or they do send newsletters. Yeah. But there wasn't anything. So I went onto the webpage and thought, okay, I'm going to carry on being organized, you know, doing yoga for my self-care. Mm-hmm but uh, they were asking there was like a multiple stage um, registration thing to pay for the package Mm -hmm. and then I thought okay I hope there's a PayPal link which wasn't there Uh but I went through the process for two or three times and then Mm -hmm. each time I was distracted so I still haven't
0: signed up okay
1: yeah and I thought wow obviously doing yoga is so important to my well-being Mm -hmm. and physical well-being and it's it's just really good so I thought it's their duty to really reach out to me and make me buy their product Mm,
0: mm, yeah and And I thought barriers in the way isn't
1: it remove all the barriers and uh, it's their duty to sell it to me to make sure that I stay healthy and you know feel good and I think it just illustrates the point brilliantly with you know, whatever the service is—coaching packages, mentoring, or you know, other well-being services that you offer—it's your duty to sell because it's your duty to help your clients to feel better or to transform.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's um, I think we often think of selling as coercing people or pushing something on somebody that they don't really want or need, and we have this kind of whole like that feels really out of integrity and really awful. But actually when you're offering something that is absolutely what somebody needs and it's going to transform their life it's completely different there is no persuasion there is no coercion needed it's just you you are almost depriving them by not putting that thing out there aren't you so. Absolutely. absolutely. Mm. and so just just shifting that mentality
1: um and then obviously knowing that um you are solving a client's problem
0: mm, yeah Absolutely. So what do you think is most overlooked and most misunderstood when it comes to successful sales? What would you say? So um, I think there are a few things. Um, so first
1: thing is uh, probably having clear call to action. Mm-hmm. So a lot of business owners, um, especially at the start of their journey, they would pull, put all this amazing content out there, mm-hmm. but they would never try to sell it. So from a client's point of view, I'm looking at all this um, amazing content, uh, value they're adding through their free content. But what do I do then? How do I then engage and take that next step further? Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And it comes sometimes from the fear of, you know, being seen as too pushy or too salesy, uh, which again is, is a mindset thing. But it's, it's about finding the right balance, right? Yeah. So the second thing is a follow-up and I have some research, uh, mm-hmm. some statistics are coming this way. Okay, um, go for it, we have a statistic. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was fascinating. So apparently only 48%, so just less than half of salespeople, mm-hmm. would go beyond one follow-up. Mm-hmm. And we all busy, you know, we you know have things happening um have jobs um other duties family responsibilities etc etc so and if i just miss that one follow-up then even if i wanted to take this opportunity to buy this product or service Mm -hmm. if there is no second follow-up i will get distracted yeah and uh, so by you know everyone again we don't want to be seen as too pushy or too coercive or persuasive, as you just mentioned. Mm. Um, But we do need to go beyond just one email or one call. Um, Well, research says that uh, it takes about four or five follow-up calls or emails to close a sale on average. Mm -hmm. And it could be too much for some people or too little for others, but that's the average statistic. So doing that follow-up and scheduling it in is crucially important and so often is overlooked. Mm And the final part is mindset, is yeah. what the, you and I, we're both familiar with. And I was on this journey myself. So first time when I had to um, announce, not, not announce, but close the sale and say, you know, this is the next step. Mm-hmm. I had my, my hands were shaking. It was such yeah. a massive thing to ask for money, to announce the pricing. Mm-hmm. And so then just shut up. Yeah. Because the nerves get on the way and you feel like you have to fill the silences and keep talking. Um, so that mindset shift is just allowing yourself to receive the money mm-hmm. and be, uh, be content with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then just relax and stay back to yeah. give a um, prospect, the prospective client, um,
0: a moment, an opportunity to say yes yeah. or, or to ask other further questions because if we carry on chatting and trying to fill that silence they can't think and that they're, they're trying to process what you're saying as well as trying to process this big decision big important thing and mm-hmm. we just we probably should multitasking we might we, we might think we can but we don't multitask especially when it comes to big decisions so um yeah we're again doing them a disservice if we don't give them that space i guess absolutely and uh, it's it's very interesting that actually
1: brings me to something else i wanted to share well um research says that number one skill in mm. sales is actually listening mm. yeah it's not talking it's not being persuasive or um, providing amazing calls to action it's yeah. listening yeah i think this is just amazing i always ask my students what they think would be the number one mm-hmm. skill for salespeople, and uh, yeah
0: almost never get it right yeah because there's nothing worse than somebody not listening and then offering you a solution that just doesn't fit with you as there I've certainly had that in the past and and they've been like well it's your fault you don't want to invest in this thing because um you're clearly not ready to move on with your journey and I'm thinking no it's because you've not listened and this isn't actually right for me (laughs) it's such a different thing so yeah I can totally see that I work with a lot of people, as um, I'm sure you do as well, who are very afraid of selling or have a real kind of negative beliefs around what it means to sell. Um, We do lots of work around shifting that mindset into a more positive place. Uh, What would you say to those people? How would you help them shift? I know we talked about the value side of things earlier. Is is there anything else that kind of comes to mind on that? So as we discussed, so that mindset shift about the,
1: um, the fact that it's your duty to sell, that's one thing. Second thing is just looking, um, maybe trying to do a bit of self-analysis. What is it that makes you feel icky about sales or stop you from putting yourself out there a bit more or putting these calls to action on um, on social media or whatever the websites, uh, channels you have? Um, what is it? Is it um, the fact that you don't feel um, you're worth it? You have to justify the pricing or maybe you feel that you're not ready yet so just looking looking at your own self-belief and we all carry you know money narratives and uh limiting beliefs right um so just questioning that and sometimes just um surfacing those beliefs is a first step to letting them go yeah yeah totally um, and um, especially when it comes to pricing, so pricing is just one piece of marketing along with um, promotion, product, um, people, etc. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to pricing, we often feel really uncomfortable because that perhaps we feel like we are not uh, deserving to be paid this amount of money. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we have a belief that, well, how can I charge £100 for a session when my mom has to work a whole week or had to work one full week really hard to receive this money yeah yeah all these limiting beliefs will really stop us from um going full-on being and feeling comfortable with sales Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. totally yeah really really important to clear through those so we were talking a little bit earlier about sort of getting those call to actions out there and doing that maybe repeated times, feeling okay with getting in touch with prospects over and over again. How, how do you think people can reframe that and see that as, as a valuable thing? I guess just, just having that statistic there really helps actually, doesn't it? Just knowing that uh, only 48% was it? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's very much a numbers game.
1: So yeah. not seeing um, a silence or, or a no as a failure I've heard someone said once in business, there's no wins and failures, there are wins and lessons. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's one thing. And second thing, it's just numbers game. So if you know your numbers, if you know the conversion rates, average industry conversion rates, for example, mm-hmm. if you know that only um, maybe 6% of those in your group will say yes they're interested and then out of them uh, perhaps 20% will actually go ahead and sign up to service mm-hmm. and the 80 will say no. And normalizing this yeah. will actually help you deal with that. Yeah. Because if you receive rejection after rejection, um, it, it really triggers our evolutionary brain to feel really insecure. Yeah. <laughs> because in the past, if you rejected, you sent, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about million, millions of years ago, mm-hmm. um, Caveman. um so if you're rejected you're sent away from the tribe and you're almost sentenced to death right so death. yes absolutely so and our evolutionary brain is really that's the reason why our evolutionary brain takes it really seriously mm. and we do dislike rejections um, and take them really badly so but again surfacing that an understanding that it's just numbers game it's not a big deal. And it's not a rejection or reflection of me as a person or my um, skills and my offering. Yeah. It's just what, what the numbers are.
0: Yeah.
1: And mm-hmm. um, I had one um, colleague who is a serial entrepreneur mm-hmm. shared this once. that so He started his business and was in gardening and he decided to prove his price up from £20 an hour to £25 an hour. Okay. And then the first person here announced this, the pricing to said, ooh, that's too expensive. <laughs> Got really scared and put the price back down to 20 pounds. And for the whole year, he stayed at that 20 pounds an hour. Mm-hmm. But then he said, Well, it's actually, if you think about it, um, there's this, you know, the game with uh, where you have in a jar red balls and black balls, mm-hmm. yeah. a 50 of each. But if you mix them up and then start taking one by one, it could yeah. be that you will have three black balls in a row. Yeah, it, It's not a reflection of the jar because in the jar we have 50 red balls and 50 black balls. Yeah. Again, that's just understanding that it happened that there were just three black balls in a row, but yeah. then the red balls are out there as well. So it happens again, understanding that this one customer can say, well, no, I'm not interested or you are too expensive.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, maybe they're not your ideal customer and it's yeah. understanding that
0: the right client will come uh, yeah. soon exactly and trusting that again just because we view and value money in a certain way there are billions of people out there in the world with billions of different experiences and expectations for what things will cost and just remembering that um and saying well okay this one this one didn't land this time but there's bound to be somebody out there <laughs> for who this fits because there's a there's a perfect price point for everybody for every service you know isn't there um Absolutely. There are super expensive watches and super cheap watches. and There's a market for all of them. It's just, just finding that right person. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So um, could you talk us through the sales cycles sort of based on your expertise? What do you think are the essential steps? What really has to be in place to make that successful sale?
1: Yes, sure. So the way um, I teach sales um, is, um, is based on the work of uh, Professor Marshall and Professor Johnston. And it starts with the first step, understanding your clients.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So understanding bias is called, but uh, obviously in this context, understanding your client base and your ideal client. So listening comes obviously into force here. Mm-hmm. Listening isn't just obviously listening to what they say. It's listening to what they say on social media, in networking events, other kinds of spaces that you know they attend putting their needs and problems in the center of what you do of Mm -hmm. all your marketing communications so that's the first step second step is prospecting so there that is putting yourself out there getting leads in creating and implementing the funnel where you you know you have some sort of freebie online and they sign up to receive it and then they um You know, sign up to receive your newsletters later. Mm -hmm. Um, An interesting, interesting point here is: do ask for these referrals from your existing clients, Mm -hmm. because you might think that's obvious, right? So if they are happy with it with your service, they will be talking about it and recommending you to recommending you to everyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we're all really busy people. I mean, life is, um, you know, there's a lot to life, right? So if you don't ask people may not actually think about it. So do ask for those referrals from your existing clients because they will be your um, best advocates, really.
0: Mm,
1: Absolutely. So, yes, that's step two. Step three is your preparation and planning for that chemistry call or, um, you know, that um, discovery call or whatever you want want to um, call it. So, think about the technological part if the call is happening on Zoom. Think about the resources. Do they have all the information that they need to mm-hmm. um, then have a chat with you? Um, and think through the planning. So, what you're going to talk about exactly mm-hmm. in, in the call. Then, the actual, the actual call itself or communicating the sales message. Um, so, it's really be clear listen and talk. So, find the right balance. And then make sure there is call to action at the mm-hmm. end. Mm-hmm. We have a specific date, specific action, whether it's you doing the follow-up on a specific um, time, timeline mm-hmm. or if you feel like they're ready. So trying to maybe propose that um, they, they make some sort of move. So there must be firm call to action. It's interesting that the next step is negotiating for win-win solutions. Mm-hmm. However if you've done all the right things in the previous steps then you know there will be pretty much no negotiation yeah. it could be some negotiations about um you know the time frame or maybe added bonuses or could be a price mm-hmm. but it's fine to say no because yeah. if you feel like the client sees the the the, um, the potential and they are right feet you're fine to say no mm-hmm. or if you want to give that discount if you're starting out and um, um you know you can see the, the benefit the value in this partnership then you can say yes as well
0: mm-hmm.
1: but uh, that step it doesn't have to be there uh or something yeah. in the contemporary uh, situations and the final step is closing the sale and providing the follow-up mm-hmm. and closing the sale it, it doesn't always mean you know that's it you sign the contract right away mm-hmm. uh, but you know that you're closer to um closing the deal and you know exactly what next steps are going to happen what yeah. those next steps are there you discussed all the details and you're bringing the conversation to a close mm-hmm. so these are the the step six step form formula of uh, um how sales usually
0: um yeah. operate pretty much so um in terms of was interesting you mentioned about discounting um there as as part of a perfectly legitimate strategy because very often um i think there's there's a lot of mindset out there around never discount never be seen to lower your prices and so on Um, as you mentioned as, as part of a well thought out strategy it can be a really useful tactic especially earlier in your business it's just i think um doing that with your head in the game isn't it so maybe almost planning that in before you get on that call so that you've done it from a place of of rational and reason and you've really thought about it intellectually rather than doing it as a panic thing in the moment which I know a lot of people do when they're not feeling completely confident in their money mindset absolutely
1: so doing it with intention is I 100% agree with that it's really important what I've um what I wanted to share here is um before I started my business and it's one of the lessons I guess um I've listened to a lot of audiobooks some podcasts I've read some books as well Mm -hmm. and a lot of successful entrepreneurs they actually say well when I started out I did a lot of work for free yeah I you know would offer a one-hour coaching session for example and that would last for almost two hours because I really wanted to deliver that value
0: yeah
1: and I had no boundaries so it's important for you to have the boundaries to know your value and to not do any work for free Mm -hmm. And that kind of <laughs> is on board a bit more than I should have, perhaps. Because if you, when you're just starting out, of course, it's fine to do some work for free. Yeah. You must be intentional about it. And you must realize, okay, so I will do, for example, 10 coaching sessions or therapy sessions or whatever, maybe in exchange for a testimonial while I'm building up my portfolio, my reputation.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. But be intentional about it. But it's fine to do this for free. It doesn't mean that you don't have no. boundaries, healthy boundaries. It just no. means that sometimes uh, sort of, in the very early stages of your business, that's what it takes. Yeah. And maybe not being upset about it. Oh, I'm doing all this work for free. It's not really for free. It's not directly paid at that early stages.
0: Um, but you receive testimonials yeah. and hopefully you can ask for more referrals. Absolutely. Of different kind of value exchange isn't it you're you're still spreading the word about your services you're getting yourself known and it's accepting that that's the value instead of a financial reward um different story if you could be charging for it later on and you've got plenty of, of clients coming at you but um you you don't see the value in your service that's quite different but yeah that's, that's such a good point
1: so yes once once you um you know have built up some experience you have a couple of testimonials mm-hmm. then you you know you absolutely must start charging mm-hmm. because as I say if business is not making money it's it's a hobby as opposed yeah. to business right <laughs> yeah and that also does add a bit of pressure um, like for example you see so many stories of people you know starting their business yesterday and today making the 10k months or being fully booked out and fully sold out their courses and memberships etc. But in reality, that's mm. not how it works. No. Unless you're exceptionally lucky. <laughs> in <laughs> reality, yeah, it does take time. And just taking that pressure off ourselves and to say, well, you know, for me, it may take a bit longer than just one month doing stuff online.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Don't um, don't set your benchmarks by anything easy on social media by anybody else just do you focus on progress rather than uh, achieving what everybody else has apparently achieved because you never quite know do you, you love know. this
1: yes focus on, on progress and seeing that progress and most importantly acknowledging it yeah. and uh, you know giving yourself a little pat on the back yeah. as opposed to just feeling guilty for not making those 10k months and uh, i'm not even sure why it's why it's a thing it's a trend of
0: 10k months yeah. and like so... become become the narrative hasn't it it's become the benchmark but uh, exactly yeah yeah really do your own thing definitely <laughs> cool um, so i use uh, lots of content marketing lots of attraction based marketing in my business and i found that works really well for me and psychologically speaking it feels good too and i feel that that really helps um by the time we get to that sales call people understand what I do so well and they they like what I do and trust me to do it that there's almost no negotiation it's not a difficult sales call it's just like yes please when do we start you know how much is it When what are the details and let's get signed up um which is wonderful but um I've certainly been at the other end of that and had some very awkward sales calls in the past as well um do you feel like attraction based marketing content marketing is a a good strategy for most entrepreneurs does it fall short in any way would you recommend anything different
1: no i absolutely i absolutely agree i think that's um that's the way forward Mm -hmm. and um so one thing um i was teaching on um, a program called help to grow um at aston university Mm -hmm. and it's a government-funded program to help businesses um really grow and develop um, if, for example, they feel like they hit the ceiling in their um, income or operations, etc. Anyway, and um, so I was talking to one of the businesses, and uh, she said, "Well, I don't really do any um, calls to action or really strong salesy messages because that appears desperate.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Instead, what I do is a lot of reputation building and profile building by mm-hmm. sharing helpful insights and um, um, you know sharing." some results that my clients achieved and she said she's fully booked she's oversubscribed wow nice (laughs) absolutely and that made made me feel about made me think really about um how salesy do we appear Mm -hmm. in a way and salesy in 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 the quotation marks um, it's about again finding the right balance Mm. so that you have those calls to action um, you know well written appearing uh, regularly yeah. yet at the same time you do not appear um uh, what's the word i'm looking for desperate in a yeah, way yeah. that you're yeah. just trying to sell 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 yeah
0: yeah
1: and i've just recently read a, a book i'm still listening to audiobook called the oversubscribed ah, i'm and reading that, that too <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> um that's quite interesting isn't it that, that's what he's talking about so um do bring value share things Um, uh, for free Mm -hmm. and then also just just talk about um, talk about you know these events that you attend and organize and how high profile they are and and things like that so that's that's really interesting so I think this attraction-based marketing is is exactly the way forward Mm -hmm. and again finding the right balance for your own business is also very important isn't it
0: yeah absolutely yeah you've got to be able to show up consistently and in a way that feels is really an integrity um and and just allows you to put out those calls to action without feeling desperate as well like like you really feel like you've got something great and you want people to to know about it and i think that's that comes across very differently to that desperate i must get a client in the door kind of message doesn't it whether we intend it to or not it just has a very different ring to it um interesting thing you want to add here abby is
1: about cold calling mm. so At the university, obviously, we teach that cold calling is a thing of the past and you just do not do it. Uh, And uh, just recently, I um, I was uh, talking to an entrepreneurial friend and she said, well, cold calling is absolutely a thing of the present. Uh What's changed is not that you call someone and try to sell them something. Mm -hmm. Instead, you call someone um, it could be on the phone, it could be using maybe LinkedIn or some other social media and try to build, to introduce yourself, to build that relationship. So you never try to sell someone your product or service using cold calling technique. Yeah. And then I thought, this is interesting. It mm. uh, could be industry specific. And another thing is, <clears throat> it's, it's also we're all so overloaded with yeah. social media and information coming from uh, the internet, there's so much out there yeah. that our attention spans get shorter and shorter. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And we filter in more and more, filter out more and more of information coming our way. Mm-hmm. So in this crowded digital space, a lot of people would pay so much more attention to a real life offline mm-hmm. call to action or offering or even cold yeah. call. Yeah, Again, cold call, not to buy, but yeah, to connect. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought that's really interesting so one of the colleagues said well what I do I just send out you know you target some clients and send them a Christmas card or a birthday card asking them to connect with you you know or grab a coffee with you and because especially in the last couple of years we've been deprived of that human connection Mm. that offline offering uh, of just grabbing a coffee with another human being yeah, and resonates so much more than doing stuff online again that's industry specific and it's finding the right balance that works for you mm. but i thought this is fresh and interesting isn't it
0: yeah yeah it's well, i guess it's just a different form of networking isn't it and you can you can do that networking kind of directly on social media or in person or wherever it might be or um reaching out and, and having those chats is just kind of another form of networking um whereas cold calling um it's something I've always shied away from in terms of it feeling kind of a bit cringy and still nowadays on LinkedIn and on Facebook I see so many people getting this wrong like just spamming your inbox with stuff and like join my group or do this or do that and it's just no no it just doesn't feel good at all so um it's very different to to reaching out and just asking somebody to a coffee or just finding out about them and I think people are much more receptive to that as you say Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, maybe it's a, it's a mm. new way and it could be industry specific. Uh, yeah. It's finding that thing that, that works for you, isn't it? Again, mm, Absolutely. Uh, so very last question, um, one I always love to ask my guests, which is what would you tell your startup self if you could go back now to the very beginning of your business? What would you do maybe differently?
1: Really good question. So um, I reflected on on this a little bit. Um, what would I do differently? I would just take that pressure off myself, to be honest. Um, something that we touched upon uh, just earlier mm. today that I have to really, you know, um, achieve those 10K or 5K months or whatever it is. Yeah. And to, so another <laughs> pressure that I have put on myself, so I'm teaching, I teach marketing and sales. I haven't mm key in sales motivation, (laughs) I should really know all this stuff, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, easier to say than to do.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And then I came across this metaphor, which said a hairdresser will not do a great job at cutting their own hair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it hit me. I thought, this is brilliant. Why was I so hard on myself thinking I should be perfect in marketing and sales and mindset because that's what I teach, Right. And the moment I just took that pressure off myself, I found myself a a business mentor who helped me Mm -hmm. with, you know, building the marketing and uh, strategy for the business. The moment I've done that, I Mm -hmm. take all this pressure off myself. Yeah, It started feeling so much better, so much more productive and fruitful.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think all these pressures we put on ourselves looking at um, the success stories on social media Mm -hmm. aren't just. Yeah, they're not very helpful. They could be a bit inspiring and motivational at times. Yeah, um, fine line, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, I agree, yes. And the second thing is, um, I've, um, uh, you, you know, you go to business groups on, on Facebook and LinkedIn, etc., And uh, a lot of um, thought leaders and, you know, business mentors who I would say, well, you have to work like 80 hours a week for the first year of your business. That's what it takes. Yeah. And then it took me some time to actually digest this with a lot of resistance inside. Mm. So I have my part time lecturing job, which I love. I have, you know, family and kids and I'm advocate for a four day work week. Yeah. I realize that it may sound, you know, lazy, but it's not. In fact, that's just my priorities. Yeah. And I'm not intended to work to put in 80 hours work, uh, 80 hours a week to To work on my business, and uh, I made peace with the fact that it will just be a slower process. Yeah, yeah. And eighty hours work weeks—they're just not for everyone. You know, we have other priorities, other commitments. As long as we realize this is my choice and my priority, and I'm intentional about it.
0: Totally. And I I really question whether you can be focused and productive and and really on it for eighty hours a week, even as well. I think. I think to a large extent actually having that time out doing other things is essential because it just allows your brain to process stuff that you're not even consciously aware of and it just helps you so much with the productivity side of things so yeah i think i think good decision take the pressure off and <laughs> do things your way <laughs> absolutely and uh, the
1: final thing is um you don't need to be perfect and it's giving yeah. yourself permission to be good is good enough yeah and when i was uh, writing my doctoral dissertation it's a lot of work, a lot of words and a lot of analysis. So it's it's a hard work, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember um, one of my supervisors, I had four PhD supervisors, and one of the professors said, Roshana, finished is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. So just finish off the thing. Yeah. And then I just, <laughs> um, I took one day a marker pen and wrote it on my whiteboard in the office uh, at the university. And I didn't realize it was actually a permanent marker pen. <laughs> and it just stayed there forever. I tried to take it off, but it was yeah, unsuccessful. It's meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I thought it's a beautiful reminder that we don't need to, to try and be perfect, especially if you're just starting out. Just um, put yourself out there and good is good enough.
0: Yeah, 100%. Love all of that. Some some wonderful tips and insights there. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really fascinating and I have no doubt that's going to be super helpful to so many of our listeners. So thank you ever so much. Thank and, uh, you very much. Thank you so much to Rajana for joining us there. That was really great to just chat around the sales process and money mindset and all of those things that can feel like such big barriers so I hope you got lots out of that Uh, if you want to check out more about Roshana then take a look uh, at the show notes and you can find all her details there I'll be back next week and um, I look forward to seeing you have a great first week of the new year take care Thanks for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you have, it would be incredible if you could pop a review on iTunes, Google, Spotify or your favourite podcast platform. And if you want to dive deeper, you can find me in my Facebook group Unblock Your Business or at www.unblockyourbusiness.com.